Welcome to the Divorced Woman's Guide, the podcast that empowers you to embrace your divorce as a catalyst for awakening and transformation. Are you ready to embark on a remarkable journey of self-discovery and growth? Well, join me as we navigate the path towards embodying your true self after divorce. It's time to let go of your past, reclaim your power, and step into a life that is brimming with purpose, authenticity, and unwavering faith. Get ready to rise above the challenges, embrace the opportunities, and awaken the extraordinary potential that lies within you. I'm your host, Wendy Sterling, and together we're going to uncover the profound gift and beauty as well as the infinite possibilities that come with embracing your divorce as an awakening. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Divorced Woman's Guide podcast. How are you guys doing today? Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode because I release one every single week. And I'm very excited that you have decided to tune into today's episode because I am here with my friend, Jackie Pilisoff. Hello, Jackie. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Wendy? I am so great. And I'm so honored that you are here today. And I am very much looking forward to our conversation that we are going to talk about today. And that has to do with how each of you who are listening today, how it is that you can stay empowered during your divorce and not get distracted. But before we dive in, I want to share a little bit more about you with our audience today. So Jackie is the creator and editor-in-chief of Divorced Girl Smiling, a media company comprised of a website, podcast, mobile app, and professional resources. Divorced Girl Smiling is a well-known marketing platform, brand, and global community. Divorced Girl Smiling has a mission to empower, connect, and inspire men and women before, during, and after divorce. Jackie holds a master's degree in broadcast journalism. She is a former TV news reporter and features reporter, as well as a writer for the Chicago Tribune. Her syndicated weekly column, Love Essentially, was published in the Pioneer Press, the Chicago Tribune, and all Tribune publishing editions for six and a half years. She was also a Huffington Post divorce blogger for about five years. So Jackie, quite the resume, and I am a huge fan and follower of you. You helped me through much of my divorce process. So truly, I am so honored that you are here today. And I would love for you to share with our audience a little bit about your journey and motivation to do the work that you do today. Uh, Wendy, thanks so much. I'm a huge fan of yours too. I'm glad I inspired you a little bit and now you've just gone and exploded. So I'm really happy for all (laughs) of your success and you're helping so many people. It's just wonderful. So thanks for having me. In answer to your question, I think I'm a lot older than you. I went through a divorce 15 years ago. Can't believe it's been 15 years. I had two kids who were three and five. I had no family in town. And when you think back 2007, 
there was no internet like it is today. There were no divorce support groups. There wasn't even such thing as a divorce coach yet. So I was very lonely. I felt isolated. I felt like there was no one I could really talk to. I love my married friends, but they didn't really understand how I was feeling. And so when people started blogging, I thought, well, this is my way of giving back and helping people. And I never realized or believe, I I didn't even think about it, that it would turn into what it is today, the podcast, all of the resources and, and become my full-time job, which is really a dream for me to be able to spend my career really helping other people who are in a bad place as I was. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And it's always about paying it forward, right? Because so many of us wish, I always say like, I wish I had me six and a half years ago, right? And that's what keeps us motivated to do the work that we do today is because we really do want to pay it forward. And I know that, you know, you've talked about, I mean, I've, I've read so many articles on Divorce Girl Smiling, but, you know, you talk about how everybody, you know, you included, we go on this roller coaster of emotions, right? And it's so easy for us to get incredibly distracted along the way. And I find that most of what we get distracted by are those emotions that we are navigating. So I would love for you to share a little bit about what it is that you see or hear a lot of women get distracted by, and then we can kind of talk about how it is that we can teach them to shift. So some of the things people get distracted by are things that shouldn't even bother you, but at the time they do. And so things like, okay, I'm just going to think back to my experience. So, you know, like people, when you're getting divorced, will call you and, you know, you're trying to be a mom. I had two kids, three and five. You're trying to play with your kids. You're trying to feed them, do the dishes, clean up. And you get a call and it's a woman saying like, Hey, I heard you're getting divorced. What happened? Oh, like you're going to sit and have a conversation with someone in front of your kids who you haven't talked to in six months, who you is just trying to get the scoop. You know, so that's one example. Or, um, you know, you find out that your ex just started dating someone. And, you know, I found that out and I was already separated. So I don't believe my ex was cheating, but still it was like a punch in the stomach. It killed me. So that was a distraction. Um, Another distraction is like when you have a really bad date. And then you come home and you're like, I'm never going to meet anyone. I'm going to be alone until I'm 90. This is awful. And you just cry yourself to sleep. Should I keep going? Yeah, no, I no. But what I think the theme of what it is that you are sharing is that a lot of this is based on external, right? External forces or people that are trying, well, what I always say is that they're reflecting to us what their discomfort is around what it is that we are going through. So we get sucked into that vortex of trying, you know, of of getting ourselves distracted by where it is that we are. And if anything, it's like these external distractions just are fueled to the fire that we're not wanting to continue to set. We're actually looking to burn it out. Right. So, you know, 
these are the ways that we allow ourselves to get distracted. You know, what was your experience or what have you seen? Because I know that you also run a really great community on Facebook. Like, what are you seeing? Or are you seeing this a lot within your community? And what's the type of advice that you would give somebody around that? So you have a really good point. Everything that comes at us is external. And what one of the hardest things for people to they know this, but they can't really do it, is to sit back and say, these are the uncontrollables. I, I have no control that this woman just called me to get the scoop. I have no control that this guy I went out with was just not for me. I mean, you do because you picked him on Bumble or whatever, and that that's okay, but you have no control that it wasn't right, or you have no control that especially over your ex, what he's doing is just completely beyond your control. And that is so hard for women. I mean, and men too. It, it, the hardest thing is that you have no control. You have no control when you drop those kids off at your ex's house. What's going to go on there? Are they going to brush their teeth? Are they going to eat junk food every minute? You have no control. But what you have control over, and this is what ties into being empowered, is how you are going to handle these things coming at you and how long it's going to take you to just take a deep breath, let it roll off you like rain on a raincoat and move on with your day because you can't control other people. But I do want to stress that you also shouldn't deny yourself if you need to cry or be upset at one of these external factors, but then you have to move on. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I actually, my whole philosophy is that you've got to feel through it to heal and release it. That's my motto. Right. You know, it's a lot of reasons why people get stuck or they say like two years later, why am I still in the same place? It's because you really haven't allowed yourself to fully lean into what it is that you are experiencing because we get into that place of judgment and guilt and shame and, you know, insert negative emotion that you're feeling. And we allow ourselves to get, again, distracted by the negativity. And we then just shut the emotions down because we don't give ourselves compassion to really, you know, see ourselves as human beings. We don't give ourselves the same compassion that we would our friends or even our children. We're mm -hmm. so hard on ourselves. We're, we're harder on ourselves than we are, you know, most people are on, you know, other people, right? We don't afford ourselves the same grace that we do. And I think that you know, it also gets back to like, what is it that you have control over, right? You have, go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, so now the listeners might be a little confused. Well, you're telling me that a distraction, I shouldn't let it distract me, but yet you're telling me to feel it. So I kind of want to address that yeah. confusion. So one thing that I used to do that was very helpful is if I was upset, like let's say, you know, back then there was really not a ton of email and text, like there was no texting yet. And I would get a call from my lawyer telling me like some really news that I didn't want to hear about my case while I knew that I was being billed at 350 or 400 an hour. And I would be sitting there with my kids trying not to cry. 
So, and not even being able to talk, really having to go in another room and keep one eye out and watch the kids. And, but what I want to tell people is that if you say to yourself, okay, this is extremely upsetting. I really want to cry. And then say, I'm going to allow myself tonight after I put my kids to bed. If you schedule it almost and say, I'm going to let myself hysterically break down and feel the sadness that I'm feeling, but I can't do it until the kids are in bed. Do you think? Because if you schedule it, then you're able to go on with your day because you know you're going to be allowed to feel that tonight. So if you can just put it off for a couple of hours, it it might be yes. a good. No, I totally agree. Um, you know, when we talk about not allowing yourself to get distracted, I actually think that when you don't feel it, that is what distracts you right? You think that you're putting it away, you're compartmentalizing, but you're not. What you're doing is you're, you know, I call it kind of like this volcano effect, right? If you don't allow yourself that time, if you don't schedule that time for yourself to really feel through it, you are going to allow yourself to continue to get distracted by an emotion that comes up, right? So, you know, for example, like I'll never forget the day that my kids came home and told me that they met their dad's girlfriend. I had no idea that they were meeting her. I had no idea. I knew that they were dating, but like, I didn't know that it was at that point. Right. And so I remember that moment. And I remember like, I had to bite the inside of my lip and I did remove myself from the room, making sure my kids were still safe. Same thing. I had to let an initial little something out because I didn't want it to be in front of my kids. But then I went back out. I was a mom. And then after they went to bed, I probably poured myself a glass of wine. I don't remember if that was part of and it or not. called all your girlfriends and cried. Exactly. I used to do. Yeah. Exactly. And so I want people to understand that it's not a matter of um, you're not distracting yourself by putting it away for an hour or two. What ends up causing you the most harm is when you don't allow yourself to feel it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I love the idea of scheduling and I actually even take it a step further, which is scheduling the amount of time you let yourself feel it because you could sit there and feel it and feel it and feel it and feel it. But when you know that you've got kind of like, I'm going to give myself like an hour or two, right. And I'm really going to just like lean into this a hundred percent you feel such a release afterwards, right? That's the release it part, the heal and release, because you're letting yourself have that time, scheduling that time. And what I find is that you then take your energy back, right? You take back your power in how it is that you are addressing the situation that has come up and you're standing tall, that's that's how I see it. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Okay, I like that idea. And you could even say, I'm going to give myself the rest of tonight. Yeah. It's a wash. I'm going to drink wine. I'm going to lay in bed and cry and call my girlfriends. And then tomorrow when I wake up, it's going to be a new day. And I'm not not allowed to think about it, but I'm done feeling sorry for myself tomorrow morning. Yes. And the other tip I was going to say is a lot of people, well, I'm a huge fan of journaling, but well, obviously I'm a journalist, but a <laughs> lot of people 
journal and they feel so much better. So if you get some really bad news or something happens and you're with your kids or you can't, you can just start writing down in your notebook and your kids won't really know what you're doing. And it might really, really help you release some stress and they won't even know. Yeah. I'm a huge proponent of journaling, whatever that looks like. I'm not saying you have to do it every single day, but there's, and I fight it sometimes. Like I have a morning ritual now where I actually do allow myself to write. And I don't judge what comes up. I don't judge how long I write for, or, you know, how many pages of my journal I'm covering today. But I agree with you. Cause I find that when, at least for me, this is my process when I allow myself to write, my subconscious mind comes in and kind of takes over. And all of a sudden, these new thoughts start flooding in that wouldn't normally come to me because I'm living so consciously that I'm allowing, again, back to this like external noise to come in. It doesn't allow me to process. And I'm sure some people out there are going, I'm so tired of living in my head. Well, then stop and figure out a way to get what's in your head out. Because the reason that you feel like you are constantly living in your head, that you're, you have a headache, your head hurts, why can't you stop the thoughts? It's because you're not allowing them to really come through. And I agree with you. I think writing is for me again, and you know, a lot of my clients do it too, but it's such a therapeutic way for you to really sort through things and to see things interestingly in a different light. Okay. And I have another tip that's very true, but then I have another tip to get, as you were just saying, get things out of your head. Your head is crowded. So make room for some goodness so that it crowds out all that negativity. So let's say you just found out that your ex is dating your neighbor. Gee, where did I come out with that example? Okay. Oh. So I was literally, I, it's been 15 years and I still am mad about it. But anyway, I, um, it, I wish I would have known back then. Whenever I was thinking about that, because it was constantly in my head, looking at her house saying, I wonder if he's there, you know, he's there. What are they doing? over get out that toxic energy in your head with what am I what's going well in my life right now let's just completely shift I have a great at the time two parents best parents you could ask for best siblings best family two healthy beautiful kids you know just basics basics things that you have how about I have my health and anything. I have my dog. I have, I live in a beautiful home. And then people might be listening going, well, you know, screw you, Jackie. I have to sell it. I'm getting divorced. Okay. So maybe not your home, but you're eventually going to find another home that you really love and feel comfortable in. You're not going to live in a dump. So try to think of really good things and that will not give you, then you can't possibly think, think of two things at the same time. So just make a note to yourself, condition your mind that every time you're thinking about that bad thing, think of something else that's good. Yeah. I love that advice. And, you know, and I'll throw something else on there too, is just in order to get there, just take a deep breath. Like one deep breath helps you to kind of reset your nervous system, right. To get yourself into that place where you can shift. And I love that you point that stuff out because we constantly focus on the glass half empty instead of looking at the glass half full. You actually woke up and took a breath today. 
Do you have coffee in your cupboard that you're able to make for yourself this morning? Did you successfully get your kids off to school? Did you remember to take them to school this morning, right? Little, little things, right? I love the coffee example because I'll never forget. I, I used to call my dad every morning. He's no longer with us. But when I was going through my divorce, I called him every morning and we would just talk. I did it that for pretty much my whole life. Not for long. We talked for like five or 10 or 15 minutes. And one morning I called him and I was crying and I'm like, this is horrible, blah, blah, blah. My dad goes, how's your coffee? I mean, Wendy, can you believe what a great guy he was? He was, and I go, what do you mean? He's like, well, how does it taste? And I'm like, it's delicious. And he's like, okay, you're going to have a good day. You got really good coffee. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I I've never heard that story before. So guys, I wasn't prompted for that in any way, shape or form, but it's true. Like God bless your dad and may he rest in peace. You know, I love that example, you know, and similarly, you know, my mom would always say, and, you know, as you and I were talking about before, and those of you guys who follow my story, you know, my mom was fighting ovarian cancer during my entire divorce process. Like the day I asked for a divorce, it's the same day my mom was diagnosed. And she would always say to me, Wendy, you have your health. Wendy, you have two incredible children. Wendy, you have, you, you know, and, and it, at the time I'm thinking to myself, like my husband cheated, he's an asshole whole. He's this like finger pointing. And my mom would always bring me back and be like, you have your health. You have a house over your head. You have two boys who love and worship the ground you walk on. You've got dad and me, you've got, you know, at the time, my sister, you know, who I'm estranged from. So now, but I agree with you. I think that we don't allow ourselves the opportunity to think about the little stuff because we don't think that they carry as much weight when in fact, they carry more weight than anything Absolutely. else. Absolutely. And it's interesting because I know that um, you had a wedding and are very happy and everything's great. And I am extremely happy in my re long-term relationship. And But I know as much as I am head over heels with my boyfriend and you with your husband, I think you'll agree with me. I would be fine I mean, I would be completely heartbroken if it ended, but I know that I would be happy and fulfilled even if I didn't have him. And that's where I like seeing divorced women get to. Not, I need to meet someone and I have to get remarried. I'm really happy with my life and my significant other adds to that. Exactly. And I think that's the true source of power, right? Is knowing that you have the control over how it is that you feel, the life that it is that you lead. And I mean, let's be honest, Jackie, like later in life, we're looking for different things, right? We checked the baby daddy box and we had our two kids and, you know, but what I'll also say to you, and I hope listeners are hearing you say too, is that it's important for you to do the work. You've got to do the work on yourself where you are at a place where you can look in the mirror, where you have your self-worth, your confidence back, where you feel like, you have created a life for yourself. And when you are out there seeking somebody, it's, I wasn't out there seeking somebody to take care of me or to reproduce with, to have children. I wanted somebody who was going to be like, I already had a Sunday with a cherry on top, but I like cherries. So I wanted a second one. 
Is my Sunday still going to taste amazing without the second cherry? Absolutely. Do I love having the second cherry? Absolutely. Right. Jeff knew when he came into my life that I wanted someone to share it with. I didn't need somebody to create it for me or to help me build it. That doesn't mean that we're not building a life together, but the ultimate moment where I knew that I was standing in my full power. And when I say that, it's really about standing in knowing who I am as a person and what I'm fully capable of. Everything else is just, it's extra cherries on top. I love that. We are in very similar situations. And I would say the number one reason my relationship is so great is because we are two totally independent people who are like partners and in love and it's fun. And it really is very romantic when you know you're together for the right reasons. You don't need each other financially. You don't, you know, you're not desperate. We're both doing our own things and then coming together at the end of every day to share our lives and share our stories. And it's just beautiful. I mean, it's a wonderful way to be. I agree. And, and I'll tell you, like, I didn't understand how much better it is when it's that way. You know, I had come out of such a codependent marriage. I was in, I, I had no clue who I was. I didn't, I didn't have a concept of what I liked versus what my husband liked at the time. And to be in this place now, I mean, I literally, I always say, I'm like, I, well, and even in my book, I have a dedication at the end where I literally like give thanks to my divorce because I wouldn't be standing here today. I, you know, I, I wouldn't have the life that I have. I wouldn't know authentically who it is that I am. And I think that had I allowed all those little things to distract me along the way, had I gotten caught up and focused on him and what he was doing all the time, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I think you make a really important point that, you know, some of us have to learn later in life. Oh, well. Well, I will say this. So the listeners don't think I'm, think I'm holier than thou. When I got divorced, I swear this is true. I was on a mission to find husband number two. I I didn't know how what else I was supposed to be. So here, you know, I have a master's degree in journalism and I couldn't even fathom that because I didn't like myself. I didn't have self-confidence. I was not who I was. So I was going to find another husband because that's what I knew how to do. Be married, cook dinner, you know, and so um, I'm actually watching the show right now, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and I kind of remind, she reminds me of me. So I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. And looking for husband number two could not have been a worse experience. It was like jerk after jerk after jerk, because I was just desperate and looking for the wrong things. People did not treat me well. I didn't like myself just got into trouble. It was awful. And when I finally figured out that wasn't the answer, that's when I met my guy eight years later. But no, it didn't take eight years. Like I was in another relationship, but I had, when I started working on myself, working on my career, doing things that precipitated self-love and empowerment, that's when I really saw a transformation and I was such a better person, therefore being a better partner and not desperate and just trying to be a housewife. Yeah. I hear you. I, um, 
you know, I will say I, I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't even know who I was to, to even know what I wanted at the time. I thought I wanted him back. <laughs> but Wendy, um, at least you weren't looking for husband number two. <laughs> Well, I wasn't because, and I'll tell you why. And, you know, this is real, guys. Like, I wasn't because my ex husband moved so fast and my kids were such a mess that I couldn't even, my head was spinning so fast. I didn't have time to think about a husband or, I mean, it was like he was moving on, getting married, having a baby. And he, and it was like, is the ink dry yet? Like, you know, it was one of those situations for me. So like, for me, I wasn't even in a place where that was a, a thought process. And when it was like my thought process, you know, here we're shifting into dating, you guys, was it very different for me because I was with him since I was 18. I never dated. So I actually dated in my forties for the first time. And I had fun. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to feel confident in who I was learning myself to be. Part of it was also like, you know, I still had it stuck in my head that like, oh, I want him to regret losing me. Not that I wanted him back, but I wanted, you know, again, this external thing that we so deeply desire for so long. And it wasn't until I got out of that phase that I didn't know what I wanted. But I will tell you that when I knew what I wanted and when I wanted it, Jeff came in my life six weeks later. Like it was that fast. I had just gotten out of another relationship. Six weeks later, I met Jeff because I was clear in what I wanted and I was ready for my, for my forever. And see, that's the one question. That is the most common question people ask me. Why can't I meet someone? Right? Is, isn't that what you hear in your sessions all the time? Why can't I meet somebody? And people think it's the guys, it's the other people. And it is, there's some real jerks out there and it does take a lot of patience and time, but you have to fix yourself so that you're in the best position to yep. meet someone. Well, it is, it's all energy. I mean, you're, if you're not ready, you're not going to attract the person that is intended to be with you when you are at your best version of yourself, you know, what you put out, you get back. So everything plays a role in this. I mean, until you get crystal clear on what it is that you want to manifest, you, you won't have it. Because until you are truly and authentically being who it is that you are, you won't call in your destiny. You won't call in what it is that you want. It doesn't even have to be a man. It can be your career. It can be, you know, it can be uh, whatever it is, like, you know, financial goals, whatever it is that you want. You know, there's so, I mean, let's be honest, Jackie, there's so much I wish I could have gone back and told myself, like, you know, for me, it was six and a half years ago. I wasted a couple of years of, you know, finger pointing and still, you know, trying to get my husband back, even though he was gone years before, you know, there's so much I wish I could go back and tell myself, but you know, I I'm glad the I don't. Worst, the worst, most unproductive thing is going back and say, I should have, I could have, that's the worst. There is not one benefit to doing that. And all it does is make you feel depressed and sad and bad about yourself. So yes. whenever you feel that way, just say to yourself, I'm not going to say that. Instead, I'm going to say, what am I doing now? And what do I want for my future? And how am I going to get it? I love it. Cause I was going to say, so what do we tell people to focus on now? Right. 
You mm -hmm. just answered yeah. that question. And actually, don't they say if you focus too much on the future, that causes anxiety also? So yeah. where am I today? And what do I want? What is making me happy? And what do I want? Because you have to do a little bit of the future. Like if I want to become a lawyer, I need to go to law school. So do I want to go to law school? Is this what I want? Okay, then I'm going to take steps to do it. Exactly. It's about focusing on the now based on where it is that you want to go, right? So getting clear on what that vision is and knowing what it is that you get to start doing today to change your life. Now, Wendy, I have a question to ask you as a coach. What sure. if somebody, because I bet you people are listening, thinking, well, I really don't know what I want. So what do you tell people when they're like, I don't really know what I want to do? Well, so everyone says this to me all the time. One of the first questions I ask when I get on support calls with clients uh, or just people on my list, which by the way, are free. Um, I, the first question I ask them is where do you want your life to be in six months? And they go, I have no idea. And the next question I say is, well, how do you want to feel in six months? And then they start spewing, well, I don't want to, and I will stop them and say, no, I don't want to hear what you don't want. I want to hear what you want. We are so clear on what we don't want, but yet we have such trouble flipping the narrative on what it is that you want. You don't want to be with someone who lies. Okay, so you want honesty. Yeah, I want honesty. I don't want to feel trapped. Okay, so you want freedom. The universe doesn't hear not, don't. The universe just hears the word <laughs> trapped. <laughs> manipulative liar. Gosh, that's great. I've never heard this before. So that's how I flipped the conversation because we're so clear on what we don't want. And then what, what I tell people is, and by the way, everybody listening, I am not a coach. I would highly recommend Wendy as a coach, um, but I do think that I have spent 10 years in interviewing coaches and therapists, and I've heard enough to be able to give some advice plus what I went through. But anyway, what I was going to say is that I always tell people if they're trying to figure out like what they want to do, I have to go back to work, but I don't know what I want to do. What do you enjoy doing? Who do you enjoy being around? What are you good at? What did you used to do before you had kids? And then you kind of let it go because you didn't have time for it. And so there must be like a list of questions, right? That they teach you in coaching school. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a list of questions uh -huh. that I, you know, are somewhere I used to need them yeah, more than I do not, now. Uh, <laughs> not having my coaching certificate. But well, you know, it's common sense. It's like, what do you like to do? It's pretty basic. Yeah, well, you know? it should be. But it's hard for a lot of people because they've they've been in people pleasing mode for so long or they've right. been so focused on their children. I mean, I, I use this example all the time when my husband and I separated, when James and I separated, my parents came down to L.A. to take me out to dinner for my birthday. And my mom said, we want to take you to your favorite restaurant, make the reservation and we'll be there. And I started crying and she's like, Wendy, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't I don't know what my favorite restaurant is. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't, I don't even know how to answer that question. Like, cause he wasn't in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's how it goes for some of us. We're just in that zone. And right. I, I can't make a decision even. 
it's just even hard to make a simple decision. But I do want to tell your re your listeners one more thing. Let's say say, well, I want to be like me. I want to be, you know, a reporter again. And believe me when I tell you, rejection after rejection, nobody wanted me 20 years later or whatever. No, it was like 10 years later. But how I got back into media, and this is my point, my whole career of what I'm doing started with me getting a job for $50 a week to write a little tiny column in the Glenview announcements as it was like, Glenview this, like this is what you can do this weekend in Glenview. And so I guess what I wanna tell people is like, it's okay if you have to start small, just do what you love and don't feel like it's beneath you to do an intern job or anything that makes you happy. Because believe me, when they get to know you and they see your hard work, it'll build. So that little column turned into me writing feature stories, which then turned into me having my own column, which then turned into me having love essentially, another column. So everything builds on your hard work and showing your authentic self and showing everyone what a wonderful person you are. And then the little thing will become much bigger. Exactly. Oh, Jackie, thank you so much for being here today and sharing so much wonderful wisdom with our audience today. And I want to make sure that everybody knows where they can find you and your amazing content. So please share and everybody listening, this will also be in the show notes. Oh, thank you so much, Wendy. I really appreciate the opportunity. It was so nice to talk to you. I loved our conversation. Yeah, to the listeners, you can find me on divorcedgirlsmiling.com. That will take you to articles about dating and divorce and podcasts, videos, and my wonderful trusted resources on the site. Yeah. And Jackie, I'm going to also plug, she has a great Facebook group as well that you guys should check out by the same name, Divorce Girls Smiling. It's a great community that you guys can also join and, and get some great content, feel community. It's awesome. So Jackie, oh, and tell everybody about your free ebook too. Don't let's not forget about the Oh, ebook. so which one am I giving away? The oh. <laughs> Well, there's two you talked about, but it was All right, you can pick it. But if you guys email Wendy, I will send you my she'll forward it to me and I'll send you my free ebook. One of them. I okay. can't remember which I one. have the link for the divorced and dating. And then I have you said another one day one to the rest of your happy, authentic life. Either one. Okay. Great. Pick. <laughs> so you guys can pick which ebook it is that you guys want. Jackie, thank you again for being here today and for all the work that you do in this world. You are just, you're one of my favorite people and I just adore you. Thank you for joining me today. Aww, thanks, Wendy. Thanks again for having me. Of course. And everybody tuning in today, as you guys know, with every guest that I have on and every conversation that we have, my goal is to help you navigate wherever it is that you guys are in your process to help you unleash the power within so that you can start living your life authentically and to start creating that abundance that is just waiting for you on the other side. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Don't forget to also subscribe to this podcast. You can also join my Facebook group, which is called Divorce Rehab with Wendy. And I hope that you guys have a beautiful rest of your day, sending you so much love, light, and joy as always. Mwah. Bye, everybody.
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorced Women's Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure to share this episode with someone you know or spread the word on social media. That is how I'm able to reach more divorcees around the world and provide them with the support that they need to create their next best life. And I would love to continue the conversation with you. So please friend me on Facebook, join my private Facebook group, The Divorce Rehab with Wendy, and follow me on Instagram at Divorce Rehab with Wendy. I'll see you next time.